Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy Hump Day to you here on Sports Daily with Jacob Albrock and Tommy Castor. We are glad to be here with you this morning. Alongside Jad Chambers producing, manning that KFH hotline, we'll make our way through, continue to get ready for championship weekend in the NFL. We've got Baseball Hall of Famers announced. We've got a Wichita native, uh, pretty shockingly to the casual observer, fired in Milwaukee. That we'll get to and much, much more here on Sports Daily. Um, we've got a cool little local story Jad will tell us about here in a little bit. Tommy, good morning. How are you this morning? Man, I'm good. I was shocked. I know you uh, you mentioned briefly Adrian Griffin and that whole situation. I texted you yesterday. Shocking. Feel like that was out of nowhere. I know we're going to get into it and a lot more college basketball tonight with the Shockers and the Wildcats. And, of course, we can't forget the Chiefs and the AFC Championship, so a lot to get to. Yeah, it's we let's let's do start with um, let's start with Adrian Griffin. So you and I did not see that coming. You and I are casual at best NBA observers in January. Uh, the NBA for me personally, like it goes to the back burner until we get through really college basketball, and then I sort of dial in at that point. Uh, certainly not when we've got NFL football and when we have college basketball. Uh, you only have so much time in the day, right? And so I, I, all I have done with Adrian Griffin and the Bucks is just sort of observe that they're off to a really nice start, right? Yeah. Second best in the East right now. All their offensive metrics are really good. Uh, they're 30 and 13. You know, as I've checked in and talked to people who are a little more dialed in, everyone just says, yeah, they're off to a good start. I'm not sure anybody's better than Boston. So that's what I've, you know, that's what I've consistently heard from people who are watching the NBA a lot. You know, like, so that surprised me big time that Adrian Griffin, the Wichita native, Wichita East graduate, a guy that has been really gracious with his time to us here, uh, a guy that really, really appreciates his roots and loves being from Wichita, which makes us fans, right? That surprised me. So then I start looking like, what is going on here? Like, this is weird. 
which is everybody's reaction. And then you start to see stuff that there may have been some infighting in the locker room. And I think what's really interesting is the pressure on the Bucks. Remember, they fired Budenholzer, who took him to a title yeah. in the offseason, which surprised people in the first place. So clearly the pressure there is immense right now. And I would imagine that your you know your star players were not particularly pleased with the way things are going, and in the NBA we know how that goes. There's not a league in the world, I don't think, where players have more power than in the NBA. So it makes sense when you read some of those things. I just really – it bums me out that Adrian Griffin, who has waited so long for the opportunity to do this, got that short and that raw of a deal seemingly – now, of course, he'll get paid and everything else. I just hope it's not his last opportunity to be a head coach, right? That's that's all I hope, and that's what I fear is that, you know, a guy that clashes with players because he's hard-nosed and all these things, our team's going to be willing to do that again. He'll find an assistant job in about two and a half seconds. Like, that, that part of it is fine, but it's that head coaching opportunity that he's been waiting for for a long time. He's been a high-level assistant since 2008 and was a high-level player. Uh, so that, that my biggest takeaway from all of this is that I really, really hope that doesn't dampen his long to if look, if it didn't work in Milwaukee, if it wasn't a good fit, that's fine. Like I can, that that's okay. Like whatever. But I just hope it doesn't dampen his long-term prospects as a head coach in the NBA. Yeah. You know, find another coach that went 30 and 13 and lost right. his job. And then if you just look at it at face value, that's the shocking part that you've got a Bucks team that they've won a bunch of games. And if you don't really deeply follow the NBA and you don't really deeply follow the Milwaukee Bucks, you can look at it at face value and just say, well, what more does the guy have to do? He's 30 and 13. Why is he losing his job? And then you start reading more into it. And I'm not justifying the Bucks' decision, no. but you look at, you know, the concerns about the defense that is, you know, they're not playing well. Uh, in fighting in the locker room, like you mentioned, not really working maybe between Giannis and Damian Lillard. And uh, the fact that there's a championship window that the Bucks feel like is open. And if things are not taken advantage of right now, then they might not have that window much longer. So there are all of these justifications as to why Milwaukee made this change. Like you, I feel bad for Adrian Griffin. I feel bad that, you know, I'm sure that right now this morning he's thinking, what more do I have to do? To be a head coach in this league, I'm, I'm leading this team to a 30 and 13 record through 43 games, and they show me the door. Uh, I don't know if he'll get another head coaching opportunity, and that's I don't know if that's really necessarily on him. But I think a lot of teams are going to look at the fact that hey, he won games, but Milwaukee didn't want him as the head coach, and they're going after it looks like Doc Rivers to replace him. So why should we roll the dice and bring in Adrian Griffin? I think that more than likely he'll probably end up back as an assistant somewhere. I, I think if he gets another head coaching job, it would need to be with like a young team, which would make more sense anyway. But the reality is, and this is why this probably shouldn't surprise us, Milwaukee fired Budenholzer last year who helped them win yep, their title. Exactly. He he wanted a higher clip even than Adrian Gl Griffin was this year, and they fired. He won 70% of his games. I think Griffin's winning like 69, so it's very close. But they, they already told us what their standard was, and if they were willing to fire the guy that took them to a title – uh, that did all of these things after he went 58 and 24. It probably shouldn't surprise us. And, and look, they took a massive, massive risk in bringing in 
you know, Dame Lillard to try and get this done. So yeah, the, the NBA is just it's it's different than a lot of places. I get it. I, I you know, I, it's it's a hard one for me because I just am not as locked into it as I used to be. There was a point in time, but really it was up until I moved here that I was all in. I love the NBA. Watch it all the time. I still love the NBA. I just don't have time to watch it on a nightly basis. So these kinds of storylines that are developing over a season, I, I don't know that they're happening, right? I, I'm more of a, I'm more of like a box score NBA observer until we get through March Madness pretty much, and then and then I lock in. So it sucks for Adrian Griffin. Again, we're all fans of Adrian Griffin. He's been good to us. He wears, you know, the Wichita banner well. And he's always been very appreciative of his time here. Anytime he gets the opportunity uh, to talk about it or, or be back to, you know, to here to be a part of the community. So uh, we wish him well. We hope he lands on his feet. It'll probably be as an assistant for a little while. I just really, really, really hope that it's as a head coach again so we can see you know, big picture, what kind of head head coach he can be in the league. Yeah, so there's an article that's out right now on The Athletic from Shams Charania uh, talking about the decision that Milwaukee made to uh, to fire Adrian Griffin and just everything that's gone on this season. There was, um, and I don't know if you followed this much, but there was an assistant coach that stepped down before the season started, and it seemed like there were disagreements between Griffin and the assistant coach. At one point, management put together a meeting between Adrian Griffin and Doc Rivers, thinking that Doc could maybe give him advice and guidance as he's learning on the job. It sounds like players were willing to be patient with Adrian Griffin, but the the issues off the court continued to grow. And so it kind of led to this. And so, again, like you look at just from a 30,000-foot view, if you don't follow it closely, you're like, well, they're 30 and 13. What's the issue here? And it sounds like there were some behind-the-scenes issues that, you know, unless you're really diving in deep uh, with what's going on with Milwaukee, you may have never known. Yeah, it, 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 and we didn't, of course. You sent me that right yep. as it happened, and we were getting word of it uh, in the newsroom, and it's just like everyone's asking me why, and I'm like, guys, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. It doesn't make sense to me either, but let's let's look. Let's take a look and see uh, what the deal is, and you know, we'll, we'll find out if, if the change works out for Milwaukee. I don't know. I do know, though, that they are a franchise where it's championship or bust, and that's probably as simple of an explanation as you could need to understand why that happened. Championship or bust, they don't feel like they're on the right path to a championship. They're making a change. Okay. And that's the thing. I, you, it's, know. you know, it's not about being, you know, 30 and 13 in the regular season. You could, you could win the most games in the regular season, and that's probably not enough for Milwaukee. I mean, think about this. Giannis signed an extension and recommitted to Milwaukee thinking that they could win another championship or multiple championships. And so that that window is right now. It's not a couple of years down the line. That's why as much as I have always appreciated Adrian Griffin and the way that he develops players and and all of that, I, it was a little, um, I don't want to say confusing. I, I sort of questioned the hire at the time because he's a first time head coach and so there's going to be some growing pains. I thought that the most, the, the best fit for Adrian Griffin was to be promoted to the Raptors head coach uh, when, when all of that went down during the offseason. And so I thought that was a little interesting that he went to Milwaukee well, and that I, Toronto didn't did give him too, the job. But I did too. But at the same time, I was like, heck yeah, he's going well, to yeah, Milwaukee. This absolutely. is going to be awesome. Sure. Right. Like, and, and we, first thing we thought of, of course, when Dame Lillard was traded, we we're like, dude, 
this is lining up. But does it make? Right. Did it make a whole lot of sense? I mean, in retrospect, hindsight being twenty twenty, with a coach that's a first time head coach learning how to be a head coach in the league with a team that wants to win right now. It did because if you go back and look at who he was an assistant under. He has been an assistant under some of the great coach. When he was on, when Paul Savage put him into the Wichita Sports Hall of Fame and he came on with us, he talked about, like, he, from everybody from, like, Don Nelson to Greg Popovich. To, like, yeah. he He's worked under was, the best. So, so I, I get that piece of it, too. Like, this guy has, you know, some of the, the best defensive-minded coaches, some of the best offensive. Like, all of these things were right there for him. So, I get it. And it's going to be fine. He'll be okay. He's going to continue to have great success in the NBA. I just hope it's eventually, again, as a head coach and not just as an assistant. You know, it's it. these things happen in the NBA more than they do in other sports. So, good luck to Adrian Griffin. If you missed that news yesterday, he has been fired by the Bucks, despite getting out to a 30-13 and 13 record uh, about halfway through his first season as a head coach in the NBA. All right, that's one piece of the news that happened yesterday. Another piece, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. We don't talk a ton about this uh, building up to it. We'll talk about it because we have the class now, and we can get into it as we return. The KFA Hotline is open for you here on this Wednesday at 869-1240. Jad Chambers is on that for you. Uh, Rick chimes in. On the Griffin situation, said they're complaining about defense, but traded their best defensive player in Drew Holiday. I get it. I think, Rick, it's go get Damian Lillard and and be as good you know, defensively as you can be through a coach. That's kind of what, if you read, part of the problem was, I guess. But they're desperate. I don't know what else to say other than Milwaukee is very, very desperate right now. All right. Let's take a break. We'll give away some HTO at some point here on the program as well. A lot to get to on this Wednesday edition. We'll do it as we make our way through a Wednesday on Sports Daily. Hey, Shocker fans, you can tune into 103.7 KEYN tonight for coverage pregame of the game. Pregame starts at 5.30. If you're a Wildcat fan, you can tune in right here to KFH at 7. Not near radio, both of those games will be available. Streaming on the free Odyssey app. We'll get into those college basketball games in just a little bit. Um, Let's talk about the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame here, Tommy. We haven't spent any time on this up until the voting was completed um, I am very pleased that Adrian Beltre is a first ballot Hall of Famer. 95% of the vote. That actually does surprise me a little bit. Um, Adrian Beltre has, I think I, I've said this many times, I never would have thought this would have happened, but he became my favorite baseball player of all time. Like, I, I just, I, I've never enjoyed watching somebody play more than him and the way he approached the game and his love of the game and how much he enjoyed it. Never seen anybody like it. Vladimir Guerrero is maybe like a close. Salvador Perez has a little bit. That's why I appreciate Salvador Perez so much is because of how much they appreciate what they're doing and where they are. Uh, that that sort of, uh, you know, lore. And then, you know, as a young guy, I had my favorite players as all young kids do. But, man, I just I've never appreciated a baseball player more. So I was really happy to see him in on the first ballot. Ninety five percent of the vote joining him 
will be Todd Helton, who, in my opinion, absolutely deserved it, and another first ballot guy and Joe Maurer, which uh, he barely got over the threshold uh, on his first ticket, but I'm glad he's in there. What did you think of this class, Tommy? I don't have a problem with it. It's kind of a boring class. I mean, Adrian Beltre. Oh, aside, I love this class. I love this class. It's fine. Todd Helton, um, I think that he gets forgotten about a lot because he played for some really bad Rockies teams. And in a lot of years, he was like the guy for that team. There really wasn't a whole lot of support around him. And, you know, he hit a lot of home runs in Coors Field. I don't think that should necessarily be a knock against him. So I'm fine with him being in the Hall of Fame. It doesn't really get me super excited, but I'm okay with that. Joe Maurer is kind of the same way. I like Joe Maurer. I, I forget about Joe Maurer a lot and what he did for Minnesota over the course of his career. So outside of Adrian Beltre, and, and don't get me wrong, I totally believe that Adrian Beltre should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm totally cool with that. You know, that he had a great career. But other than that, I mean, yeah, Helton, I can I can go either way. It's fine. Joe Maurer, I can go either way. The one guy that I feel like, and I know I'm biased because I'm a I'm a diehard Atlanta Braves fan, Andrew Jones should be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't know why Andrew Jones, you know, he he's in his seventh year. He got like sixty-three percent of the vote, so he's not quite there yet. Uh, I feel like he should be there. Gary Sheffield is another guy that hit a ton of home runs that he is not going to be in the Hall he of got, Fame. I don't, he got I don't caught up that. in the steroid stuff. Kind of. I mean, but he's not as big in that world as some of those other guys like Alex Rodriguez and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. I mean, Sheffield is kind of a fringe uh, steroid guy, so I don't really understand that. But other than that, I mean, I, I feel like it's a fine class. So Sheffield is caught up in the same thing like Barry Bonds is caught up in, basically, where it's just like it depends on what you read and what you believe and everything. I, I Again, I've said this many times. I would put all those guys in and almost like create your own wing. We're trying to tell the history of the game through the Hall of Fame, right? You're trying to remember the history of the game. I think baseball's is far too exclusive. I've never agreed with that. I don't know why we still only have, you know, writers deciding this. For instance, Billy Wagner, who 100% deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's he's one of the top five guys that's ever played his position. Like, get over it. But there were, I think, three writers that voted for Billy Wagner last year that didn't vote for him this year. How does that work? And, like, at some point, like, you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. Maybe there's years where 10 guys deserve to get in, and maybe there's years where nobody deserves to get in. That's fine. But you know you're, not doing, you're not doing your job telling the history of baseball if you're not putting in one of the greatest closers we've ever seen. And to Andrew Jones, your point, yeah, we do need to celebrate guys who are rock star defensive players. That's a part of the game. Yep. Defense is a part of the game. Yep. He played the most premium position, one of the two or three most premium positions at a level we've rarely seen it played before. Yes, that player deserves to be a part of the history of the game that way. You're equating Gary Sheffield and Barry Bonds, and I know that you know there are some, there are a couple of similarities there. Sheffield wasn't caught up in the steroid world as much as Barry Bonds yeah, was. Yeah, he was. He, no, he So wasn't. in Game of Shadows, in, so he was in the Barry Bonds report, is... And, and Sheffield was mentioned for, in like a paragraph in that book where Barry Bonds had like multiple chapters dedicated to him. Yeah, but the same things, the trainer, the same things in that in that book reflect... I mean, the, the, I've re, have you read that book? It's incredible. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm not saying like it's a book. It's not like a you know, it's not the Ten Commandments or anything like that. But there is the 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 trainer there who had his book of all these players that used in their schedules. Gary Sheffield's name's in there. That's why like he's I, I look. I think again. I think they should be in. Um, it's just it, it. It's because his name is involved in all of that but stuff. You know why? The same reason. You know why we're not going to see. In. Rafael Palmero in the Hall of Fame, or like some of these great players who, I mean, that's that's all it is. Why we're probably not going to see Manny Ramirez in the Hall of Fame. When None I of those guys of, were directly implicated. When I, I think guess, of, yeah, was. when I think of steroid guys, I think of McGuire and Bonds and Sosa, Palmero. But that's just, I that's just because they were the best steroid A-Rod. guys. I don't think yeah. of Gary Sheffield in the steroid world. You know why, in my opinion, Gary Sheffield didn't get the number of votes. It's because the writers didn't like him when he was a player. That's all there is to oh, it. That's, that's the sure. same reason why Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame. Now, of course, the, the steroid thing is a lot bigger, but the writers didn't like Barry Bonds wasn't nice to them. Barry Bonds wasn't friendly to them. Like, that's on record. And, and that's another issue with these writers getting votes for the Hall of Fame is that when you've got players, I guarantee you, Todd Helton was probably perfectly fine with the writers. Joe Maurer was probably perfectly fine with the writers. That's the subjective part about this that I have a problem with, is that the people who are deciding this are ones that are giving their personal feelings towards these players and how these players made them feel over the course of their careers. It's not objective. It's subjective I opinions. Uh, and, and, I, and, and I know, and I read an interview with Gary Sheffield where you know he talked about when he was a player, that there were times that he was not particularly friendly to the media. And that, that's an issue as, you know, he's looking at being in the Hall of Fame because these same media members are the ones who are casting the votes. It's So what needs to happen is it needs to be a collective of, uh, you know, media members, writers, writers that are actively involved in the game, by the way, only, yep. and – and then it also needs to have representation from the players and probably somehow from managers, right? You just have to take a broader approach to it so those types of things don't happen. And look, you know, play the game, be nicer to the media. You know, I, I, I it's dumb, but you know, be smarter than that. And and the other thing, again, like it's so it's impossible to navigate the steroid years. It it just is. Right. It's just impossible. How do you know any of these players didn't use? Right. When when almost everybody certainly was at the time. So I I, again, I say you you put everybody in and then you hang banners that explain what was happening in baseball from X years to X years. Because, again, here's my other problem with it. Those writers who are being exclusionary to these players who used. You didn't know they were using when you were a baseball writer. If you didn't know they were using when you were a baseball writer, you were really, really terrible at your job. You didn't ask them about it because I was like an eight-year-old kid or a 10-year-old kid who absolutely knew these guys were using steroids. I was a pro wrestling fan. There's only one way people look like that, and that's how. There's only one way, you know, Mark McGuire looks the way he looked. The, the only other people in the world who look that way are bodybuilders. Why? I mean, come on now. Like, you didn't know at the time because you didn't ask the hard questions either, riders sitting on your pedestal. So as somebody who 
feels compelled at times to have this journalistic responsibility. Like, you didn't do your job either. If you you can't sit on your high horse now, when you absolutely knew that stuff was happening when you were doing it, but you were enjoying the ride like everybody else, right? It made the game better. It saved the game, probably saved your job because people were that interested in the game. So don't give me that, a lecture about that. You knew at the time this was happening. If I knew as a young kid it was happening, get over yourself. So put them in, explain what was happening in the game at that time, and move on with our lives. The other thing, too, do we know with 100% without a shadow of a doubt certainty that the three guys that got inducted into the Hall of Fame never no. used steroids? We don't, and that's we don't know not, that. And I'm not, I'm and not that's accusing the problem. them. I'm not accusing them of that. I know what, what you're I'm saying. saying is I agree. That, you know, you, we've got this level of uh, accusatory behavior with the guys that we know for a fact did. A-Rod, we know he did. Barry Bonds, we know he did. But what we don't know is 100% who did not. And there, I don't think we no, 100% know Barry Bonds did. We know A-Rod did because he admitted it, right? Then, like, you know, so if I, I, that's, the, that's the issue with all of this is that everything is tainted. Everything is. It you, is, and that's why you have to put them all in because you yeah. don't. I don't want to have to wonder, right? Like just put the best play – because here's the other thing, and, and this is – people aren't going to like this, but – for me, this is the way I think about the Hall of Fame. These, whether they were, these were the best players of the era that they played in. I've always said my criteria for the Hall of Fame is to make sure we're remembering every era, every year of Major League Baseball, of pro baseball, right? And the only way to do that with these guys is to take, they were still the best of their generation, right? The generation of baseball that they played in. These guys were still the best at it. So don't ever overlook the history of the game and what happened in the cheating. But also, you have to, if you're going to tell the history of this game, you've got to put, it's like Pete Rose. Like, get out of here with all that. You know, like, you, you cannot ignore these players and the impact they had on the sport that you're trying. It's a museum, right? Do we only put good things in museums? No, we're telling history. And and this love it or hate it, the steroid era is a part of baseball's history. I don't hate it as much as most people. I firmly believe it saved the game, and I firmly believe that it made sure that Major League Baseball had a future when it was really perilous at the time. So I don't hate it as much as most. I hate that it happened, but I also understand that it very well may have been a necessary evil to saving the game that I love because I'm not sure baseball would have survived the strike or all of the things that it survived because of the home run chases and these things that happened. I mean, th like Bonds, not Bonds, sorry, Maguire Sosa was as must-see TV as baseball has ever been before, and that ensured its future. So, again, just tell the history of the game. This is what happened during that time. And let's all move on. And then you just, and, and we're done with that era of baseball, right? Um, so I, I don't know. I, again, it's fine. If they don't put the steroid guys in, like the agree, I, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Brandon says the Hall can tell the story without inducting the players. That's true. But to Tommy's point, we're never going to know who did and who didn't. It's, it's, it's impossible for us to know that. And so it's not fair to all of it to just cherry pick, I guess, 
at that time. It's unfair to the players that didn't use, that got in the right. I mean, it's unfair to them. It's unfair to everybody. I think you just, you put the best players in and you say, hey, this is what was happening at that time. You can say, you can go through a historical index of what guys have admitted use and all of these things, but it's hard. You know, I don't want in 20 or 30 years, kids that love baseball not to know some of these players. I think Andrew Jones should be in, uh, moving on from the steroid thing. I didn't even intend for us to go that way. Carlos Beltran will be interesting, 57% on his second year on the ballot. I think Billy Wagner will get in next year uh, out of that. Thank you, writers, for for allowing him in in his final year. You know, that kind of nonsense. He's one of the best closers of all time. Put him in. Goodness sakes. Uh, Next year, Tommy, you'll have Ichiro, who will certainly be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. Um, And then it's a little dicier. You know, so I'm looking at a list from CBS Sports right now. Uh, you've got CC Sabathia, who won 250 games. He'll be an interesting case. He's certainly not going to be a first ballot guy. Uh, they've got Dustin Pedroia listed. Give me a break. Uh, dude didn't even have 2,000 hits. I didn't even have 150 home runs. Get out of here with Dustin Pedroia. I, I, and uh, at personal asterisk, I had a, I was a big Ian Kinsler fan. And so, like, there was this big rivalry between Pedroia and Kinsler, and I was always Team Kinsler. So, a grain of salt on Pedroia. I would have to dig into his numbers. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, though. Kinsler, Kinsler's listed, too. I don't think he's going to be either. His numbers across the board are better than Pedroia's. Uh, and then there's Felix Hernandez. I would put King Felix in. I think he is one of the best pitchers of the generation he played in, for sure. Um, so, Ichiro would be a yes. I would say King Felix needs to be in. And then... Uh, so if I was voting, I'd have Wagner in, Jones in, uh, Ichiro in, and King Felix in next year, and that's probably it. I I would I, I'm on the fence with Beltran, but that would be I I would take all those guys in next year. The issue with Beltran is that not only was he in the steroid era, but also he was part of that sign stealing situation with the Astros. That's going to be a big knock on Carlos Beltran. And, you know, he was uh, obviously a manager for a very, very, very short period of time and then lost his job because of that scandal. So, you know, I I think that that's going to be an uphill battle for Beltran just because he's dealing, you know, he's in that steroid era, but then also he's got the Astros situation. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. 
Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. That to me, by yeah, I keep him out for that just out of spite. Um, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what'll happen with Beltran. He'll be interesting. I think those other guys certainly need to be in though. Felix, Ichiro, Andrew Jones, uh, and Billy Wagner. That those guys all to me need to be in. All right. That's our Major League Baseball talk for the day. Uh, real quick on the way out, uh, Jad, you've got a story here that, that's interesting. Jad sent this to us, and it's uh, about a listener to the program that we greatly appreciate. What's going on there, Jad? What can you tell us? Uh, well, he's for for quite a while, he's had uh, a business selling uh, empanadas, if you're familiar with yeah. that. Uh, really delicious, actually. Chad, uh, Chad Freeman, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, He's been selling them. Uh, they had a stand open at the uh, Anchor Meat Market, kind of in the downtown area, and uh, they've been selling those for a while. Uh, that's closed right now. He's working on getting a food truck together, but he's actually going to be. Uh, he's right now. He actually is. They're they're in the middle of doing this right now, competing in a reality ish television competition sort of thing that's going to be on the Food Network. And so they're out of state right now doing that and competing. And uh, I don't know. It's pretty just, cool. Yeah. It really is. I mean, Good Ch- luck you know, to Chad. Yeah. Chad's, That's a, awesome. a, Chad's a, g- a great listener of the program. I, you know, I know that he's reached out um, on occasion before, I think, on the Sports Daily Facebook page. And so um, when you sent that to us, Chad, you know, competing on the Food Network, that's a pretty big accomplishment. So congratulations to him and his wife. Yep. Love that. That's fantastic. Good luck there. Uh, Argentina's empanadas. Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to look at. It. I'll have to try and get them out. Uh, see if they want to do some kind of party at HTO. We need to, we need to start doing some food truck stuff uh, out there. That'll be fun this summer. Um, well, once he gets so that going, luck. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good luck to them in that competition as well. All right. Speaking of HTO, let's give something away here. Uh, let's give away some coffee and some tea on our way out. Uh, and then we'll begin to dig into some college basketball tonight and, of course, some some Chiefs football as we've kind of sh- just begin to scratch the surface on how fascinating this matchup is to me. Let's do a free iced tea and a free brew house coffee from HTO. The tea, of course, available at any HTO here in Wichita, East or West, and then down in Derby. The coffee uh, available to you at the East location of HTO and in Derby as well. Good luck. Chad will get us a winner to the first caller on the KFH hotline. 869-1240 is that number. We'll come back. Digging into the numbers. The Chiefs are outmatched a little bit on paper here against Baltimore. I'll tell you why. Coming back. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Glad to have you here on Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor on this Wednesday with you. Uh, we'll continue to discuss the Chiefs game all the way up until Sunday. Tommy, it's interesting. I was just sort of going through some of the numbers for TV yesterday. Paul Tour's got them outmatched, man. They're seven points a game better on offense. They force more turnovers. They have more sacks. Uh, the Chiefs' defense has been great. Baltimore's defense has been just a tick better. Points per game, Baltimore's number one, Kansas City's number two. Uh, we, we've talked about all of these things. They're going to have the MVP. Just about any metric you look at, they've been better than Kansas City this year. I still like the Chiefs this weekend. Um, and, and that's the thing about 
Kansas City is they're a different team now than they were for the biggest chunk of the middle of the season, really up until very recently. And it's the Mahomes factor. You know, like if 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 the teams are equal or if Baltimore's even a tick better, which they probably are top to bottom, it's still the Mahomes factor. And it is knowing that the Chiefs defense is at least as good as Baltimore's. So then you get to that point. Dan Israel told us yesterday he'd be shocked if Willie Gay doesn't play. So I'll say that I imagine Willie Gay plays. And if that happens, even with the bad matchup seeming to face the Chiefs in the run game, I still like them because I like what they can do in this spot. And they just, they have Mahomes. How many times could, with the Patriots, we just say, yeah, well, they got Brady. And it was true, right? It, It played itself out that way. So I think we've got that here, and I still like the Chiefs this weekend. Yeah, you know, I think that one thing that stood out to me when we talked to Dan Israel yesterday was him comparing and contrasting Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and the way that they run uh, because they're different. They're different yeah. kinds of runners. Very and, different. You know, so, and I, I, I never really thought about it to that extent. I just thought, you know, okay, they're both really good runners, and that's it. But they are different in the way that they do it. Josh Allen lumbers his way, you know, and is like a, a freight train and gets going and he's hard to bring down. Where Lamar Jackson, you know, in, at times looks like a running back out there in the way that he does He's things. more like Michael Vick was, right? Just quick <clears throat> yep. twitch, that kind of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. And so, you know, the Chiefs had trouble, especially in the first half uh, last week, containing Josh Allen. So I know that the big priority this week is going to be doing everything possible to game plan a way to contain Lamar Jackson. Uh, And, you know, I don't know if it's a a thought of, hey, you know what, we'll concede, you know, some of these maybe middle-tier runs that Lamar can do as long as we're not giving up the big play, or if there are other ways that they can game plan this. It's certainly going to be a challenge because that's the thing about Baltimore is that not only have they won a lot this season, but in many different cases, they've won big. They've demolished their opponents in yep. multiple weeks. And so the Chiefs have to do everything possible to not let this get away from them on Sunday. I haven't bet it yet because I won't be surprised if the number gets closer to four. Um, and three and a half is is pretty much four, right? It's just as good because you get the field goal covered. But the 44 and a half tells an interesting story because that both of these teams have been I think Baltimore's averaging about 28 points a game and Kansas City about 21. So their average is much higher than that. But I think Vegas is believing more in the teams, both of their defenses, than it is their offenses. And I feel the same way, by the way. I I think this game is more about the defense than it will be about the offense. And so when that is in play, right, when you're thinking about it that way, it's like, okay, well, if, if if the expectation is for both defenses to be pretty good in this game, and I think that is, you know, both teams probably hovering in the low 20s somewhere, when you have that scenario and, you, and you're feeling like the defenses will be effective, that's where I lean to Mahomes. That's where I lean to Mahomes over Jackson. I, w- I mean, I was as impressed as anybody with Lamar Jackson's second half against Houston, but I cannot forget that he also had the first half that he had, and Houston gave him trouble. And so... If Willie Gay's there and Spagnola has time to adjust and all of these things, I, I just I'm not going away from that until we see it happen. But you want to talk about an opportunity for Lamar Jackson here to just put himself squarely in the conversation 
And it's hard because he's going to win the MVP this year. But are you are almost nobody's putting him inside their top three quarterbacks? He he probably fits somewhere more into the like the top five if people were giving you. But you're talking about the MVP who's going to be a two time MVP, right? He probably needs to be higher than any of that, and he's got an opportunity if they go win this game and he plays well to sort of establish that and. And what's I think what's always been hard about Lamar Jackson is he plays the quarterback position in a different way than we're used to seeing, so it doesn't look the same, so it's harder for us to process his greatness, I think. Uh, at least it is for me. But it's a big opportunity for him going up against Mahomes. He couldn't ask for a better opportunity for his legacy, quite honestly. I get it, and I understand. Uh, and in all of that, uh, you know, you have said so many different times, and I don't disagree with you, that as long as you've got Mahomes and Kelsey in the defense— don't bet against the Chiefs. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I understand. The Ravens are a different animal. And the Ravens, I think, have been a little underrated as the season has gone on. Um, you know, And I think a lot of it is because there was question about whether or not Lamar would live up to the way he's been billed uh, and everything that went down with him in the offseason and not re-signing and all of that. And then they have not been a team in the last couple of years that we have ranked as high as Kansas City or Cincinnati or Buffalo. They've kind of been on the outside looking in. It's a resurgent team. And again, if you just go back and you look at what Baltimore has done week by week by week by week, they've not just beat opponents, they've demolished them. I said that before. So you've got to bring your 100% A game. This, this cannot be for Kansas City. I'm just going to lay it out here right now. This cannot be a game that the offense falters and the defense has to pick them up. Conversely, it can't be a game that the defense falters and the offense has to pick them up. You've got to have both. You've got to have both because I would argue that this game, this AFC title game against this opponent, is a more difficult opponent than either team that you might be facing in the Super Bowl. This is the bigger test. And the reason I say that is because we don't know sure yet. Is. We don't know yet if Debo Samuel is even going to be healthy for San Francisco and, Bo- and Brock Purdy looked average last week. So I think Baltimore is better than either of these NFC teams. This is the bigger test. You can't have this kind of like one one phase of the game picks up the other for Kansas City. You've got to have both. And I think we've had both. But to your point of either team you'd play in the other one. Tommy, Baltimore played both of those teams this year and beat them by a combined score of 71 to 25. Yeah. Like, so the two teams in the NFC Championship were both smashed yep. by Baltimore. Smashed. The, yeah, I 100% do you think, do you think, think Bal- it's fair to say that, you know, I think to an extent, Baltimore's been underrated this season? Absolutely. They could be historically good, for all we know. I, I and, and they were in the regular season absolutely unequivocally historically good their point differential is absurd it's almost three times higher than kansas city's was in the regular season it's strange when you think about all that for me to be like i like the chiefs here but i do we'll continue it i'll tell you why again remind you like baltimore has been the best team in the league this year and i don't know that it's been particularly close but i think they are beatable Right, I, I think they're they're deaf, and everybody's always beatable in the NFL. But I think they're beatable, and I think Kansas City has a formula that, Tell that me can how. make it happen. We'll, Tell we'll me continue how. I want to know in how. the second hour, eight six nine twelve forty on the KFH hotline. We'll be back with more. Hour number two coming on Sports Daily.
Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.